Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Podcast. Welcome to Fertility Insights. This week, we are delighted to be joined by two of our colleagues and genetic counselors, Elizabeth Cameron and Dina Nussblatt. I'm Jenna Miller, your host for today and the current chair of ASRM's Genetic Counseling Professional Group. And uh, in relation to that, this document that we were discussing today was written by Elizabeth and Dina, along with other members of the Genetic Counseling Professional Group, um, Elizabeth and Dina and a a number of other uh, genetic counselors in our space, were involved in developing this new committee opinion uh, for ASRM. It's entitled Indications and Management for Preimplantation Genetic Testing for Monogenic Conditions. This opinion piece on the management of PGTM is it's really of increasing importance as we're seeing more patients having PGTM testing as part of their IVF cycle. And the document actually talks a little bit about why that is, both because of increased testing, increased understanding of various conditions. Um, there are a lot of reasons why we're seeing PGTM um, uptake increase in recent years. And it's also easily the most complicated of all of the different types of pre-implantation genetic testing, which is why a document like this is so important to um, kind of spell out for ART practitioners some of these nuances and and help us all better meet uh, patients' needs who are looking into this type of testing for their embryos. So, Elizabeth, let's start with you. I have a question for you. Thank you so much. Thank you both, uh, Elizabeth and Dina, for joining today. Uh, Elizabeth, could we start with a brief overview of PGTM and why couples may seek this type of genetic testing? Sure, and thanks for having me today. This is my first podcast, so excited to see how things go. Um, To begin with PGTM, so let's start with basic definition, right? PGTM stands for pre-implantation genetic testing for monogenic disease. In short, this essentially boils down to a very specific type of genetic testing that's performed on a biopsy sample taken from the developing embryo. And the genetic testing here that's being performed is a very targeted type of test. It's targeted really to test for a specific genetic change or mutation that's already been identified in the patient or in the family. So now there's many different types of genetic conditions, many different types of inheritance patterns, which means that PGTM is not going to look the same for every patient. For some individuals, PGTM is performed to look for a genetic condition that they themselves have. For others, it may be a condition that someone else in their family has, um, and maybe they're known to be a carrier on a genetic level, um, but wish to avoid transferring that down to offspring. For other patients, this may be a disorder that no one in the family has ever been diagnosed with, but that was identified via carrier screening. The common thread, though, really here is that in testing these embryo biopsy samples, we know in advance exactly what it is that we are aiming to test for. This is quite a bit different than the more commonly performed type of PGT 
referred to as PGTA or pre-implantation genetic testing for aneuploidy, whereas PGTA is much more of a general screening test looking for random chromosome changes that can occur in any developing embryo. PGTM is a targeted test that must be customized for each individual reproductive couple. So DNA is going to be required from both members of that reproductive couple and oftentimes one or more of their family members. And that's really just in order to design the custom test that would ultimately be used on the embryo biopsy samples. Interesting. And I I mentioned this a little bit already, but you can probably give a lot more detail. Why are we seeing increased uptake of PGTM testing? Why are more people pursuing this type of test? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of factors at play there. I mean, you you obviously have the fact that IVF itself is just becoming increasingly more common year after year. Good point. Yes. Um, but certainly on top of that, the number of recognized candidates for PGTM is likewise increasing. And there's a number of factors at play there. Um, you have increased uptake of experience, where again, you know, reproductive couples or prospective reproductive couples are looking to have, um, you know, genetic testing performed prior to even initiating their, their reproductive process or reproductive journey. So, of course, we're learning information in advance of being um, in a situation where, where a couple would have an affected child. But then we also have just the increased uptake of genetic testing and really all other areas of medicine. Um, so increased genetic testing in pediatrics means that more couples are um, learning about a genetic disorder in a child that they already have. And then, of course, having the opportunity to perhaps consider PGTM in advance of, of having additional children. Um, but you've also got increased genetic testing taking place in oncology, cardiology, neurology, you know, you name the field, there seems to be an increase in genetic testing in, in each of those various specialties. So the more that patients are aware of genetic conditions in either themselves or their family, this in turn then increases options for how they would go about um, performing testing either during a pregnancy or in this case, obviously, in advance of achieving a pregnancy. Thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah, that reminds me of a couple of things that I've heard recently or not so recently. Uh, several years ago, I remember I counseled a couple who were both found to be carriers of cystic fibrosis because they had expanded carrier screening. Um, and that expanded carrier screening, or now just called carrier screening, was um, offered to them after they had been already trying to conceive for a year without success. And they expressed to me that they're actually really grateful that they were having that they weren't having an easy that that they originally didn't have an easy time conceiving because if that had not been the case, they might have just gotten pregnant and not known this until they had an affected child. Um, and so they were really grateful that that this was offered to them and that they had that option. I also recently listened to a different podcast where a couple who now, I think they're, if I had to guess, they're probably in their 70s. They were conceiving 
their family, uh, building their family in, I want to say, the late 1970s, early 1980s. And they had uh, their first child was affected with a severe single gene autosomal recessive genetic disorder um, that resulted in that first child only living for a few months. Excuse me. And uh, at that time, they didn't have any genetic testing available to them. No testing to determine the variants that were causing disease in the family. No prenatal testing was available to them. And certainly IVF with um, PGTM testing was not an option at that time either. And they were describing just the their harrowing reproductive journey that ultimately uh, resulted in sterilization because the, the, the emotional trauma of going through conceiving and just waiting to see what happened was so high for them. So um, I'll just say now that I, I feel very grateful that we live in a time where these options are available um, to more families uh, to help them make a decision that is more in line with their goals um, for family building. So thank you for that. Um, all right, Dina, let's pass it over to you for for a minute. Um, what is the ASRM Genetic Counseling Professional Group? Um, and can you, if you could tell us, you know, what this group does, why they're important, um, and what were the goals of developing this committee opinion? Um, and I say this with a wink and a smile because Dina is also a member of the Genetic Counseling Professional Group board along with myself. So, Dina, why don't you tell us about the GCPG? Thanks, Jenna. The, um, I, I'm also on the board, as Jenna mentioned, and I am vice chair of, of, the, of the professional group. But the Genetic Counseling Professional Group, also called the GCPG, is an organized presence of genetic counselors and, and related professionals. So it can be other reproductive professionals who want to join the GCPG and learn more about genetics, who provide genetic counseling resources We serve as a liaison to the National Society of Genetic Counselors, or NSGC, and we generate a presentation track on genetic counseling topics at the ASRM annual conference. The GCPG is is recognized by ASRM as being the experts in reproductive genetics and genetic counseling. So it was very exciting for our group of genetic counselors to finally be recognized as a professional group. For many years, we were um, called a a SIG or special interest group, but now we are recognized as a a professional group. Um, So we get more recognition through the ASRM. The the whole goal of the opinion piece um, written by the GCPG and really opinion pieces in general that are written by the GCPG are to provide genetic counseling resources for other providers, so reproductive endocrinologists, um, nurses in the ART, to better support patients who are undergoing ART. Thanks. And um and maybe Elizabeth can jump in here as well if you want. Um, but I'm interested to hear about uh, how this uh, committee opinion came about, Dina or or Elizabeth. Again, what what was your role in writing it? How were you involved? And uh, yeah, just describe the process a little bit. I can jump in here quickly. Um, so 
obviously, as you now know, right, uh, Dean and Jen are both members of this GCPG group. Um, they have board positions. I am um, one of the members of the group. And really, I think like many professional groups, when when a new project is announced, uh, there's typically an open call for volunteers. So for this project, um, there was first a bit of kind of an open call for volunteers, but I think it's fair to admit that there was also a very, um, you know, dedicated decision or goal to ensure that we had accurate representation, both from clinical genetic counselors as well as laboratory genetic counselors. And then likewise, even state taking it a step beyond that, wanting to ensure that there were clinical genetic counselors representative um, really across the U.S., right, like across um, the country and not just um, there to kind of represent some some perhaps regional trends. Um, And the same is true of the laboratory GCs. We wanted to ensure that there was accurate representation from the various laboratories that have been highly involved um, in, in PGTM. Now, Dean and I happen to work for the same laboratory, but we are, again, just, just really two members of this larger panel. So the process itself, I have to be honest, I mean, goodness, th- this is going back about two years <laughs> from when we first initiated discussions. There were lots of brainstorm meetings, uh, numerous rough draft outlines that were sent around the group. We really started with trying to organize what information we felt it most important to cover and then really broke things down into various subsections and then assigned smaller groups to work on um, individual sections of the paper. So, you know, many, many, many meetings, many, many months, uh, lots of revisions. And finally, thankfully, we ended up with um, with this published opinion piece. Thanks, Elizabeth. Dina, does that jive with your experience as well? 100%. Elizabeth nailed it. Yeah, I, I, we, the GCPG, have um, written a couple committee opinions now. Um, the, the opinion on the, the, the utility of um, embryos with mosaic results is another one, um, and that one's due for an update. And we may write more in the future. So, I, I am just so proud of our group for. Uh, providing these. We've also consulted on, an, on a number of other committee opinions and practice documents that have been released by ASRM. And, and so I'm really grateful and I'm really excited to see that um, the larger ASRM community is starting to value the voices of genetic counselors in these increasingly relevant topics where, um, you know, genetics is really uh, starting to overtake the space in terms of, um, you know, how relevant this information is to a wide variety of ART patients. So, um, so if we m- move more into the rec- the recommendations from this piece, um, Dina, could you maybe touch on the um, importance of patient autonomy throughout the PGTM testing process? as highlighted in the document. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we like to take an undirective approach when offering PGTM um, because it's really crucial to support patient autonomy. It's important for patients when thinking about PGTM to consider disease severity, which is highlighted in the opinion piece, and embryo transfer options, depending on embryo results, um, to even, con- especially when considering if PGTM is right for them. You know, what would they do if if all embryos came back with a genetic disorder? Um, you know, would they still consider potentially transferring an embryo with that? Is their clinic okay with that? So there's a lot of pieces to consider with, with patient autonomy. Um, the other part is, as, as referenced in the opinion piece, there was a survey of laboratory genetic counselors that was done in, in 2021, which found that all participants believed that PGTM should be allowed for conditions of lower penetrance, which, uh, you know, citing that patient autonomy as a primary consideration. So um, that's really why... Um, patients play a significant role in deciding if they should pursue PGTM or they should pursue alternative family planning options. So it's a huge part of a discussion that patients should have with their reproductive endocrinologist to make a plan ahead of time, make sure they're on the same page um, regarding embryo results, embryo transfer decisions, the specific condition that they're looking to do PGTM for, and make sure they're on the same page as the PG2 labs that they're utilizing. I just want to thank both Elizabeth and Dina for coming on the podcast. This was a great discussion. I really uh, admire your expertise in this uh, type of testing, PGTM. Um, I really appreciated your time talking about this new committee opinion that's uh, that's come out. I hope everyone listening to this gets a chance to review it. Um, and if you'd like to find out more about our PGTM offerings here at Cooper Surgical or find out more about our global team of board-certified genetic counselors, of which Elizabeth and Dina are just two of many excellent um, GCs on our team, please head to our website where I believe we have little bios on each of our GCs. Um So again, thank you so much for joining us today. Please like, share, and follow our series, and we will see you soon for another episode.